Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. What I want to talk about today, though, is I want to talk about communion. Say communion. You know, for a lot of us, when we hear the word communion or in some denominations, it's called the Eucharist. It, it all applies. It's the same deal. I think it's important, though, that we see what it means when we receive communion, when we receive the Eucharist, because for some of us, maybe we've grown up in maybe an atmosphere where it was something that was fearful. You know, you come in, it's like, oh, oh, no, it's communion Sunday. I forgot. And then we start looking into ourselves. We start thinking about all the stuff we've done wrong. Am I worthy? Am I good enough to receive communion? So before we receive that today, I just want to take the next few minutes and talk about this idea of communion. Because for a lot of us, if you've gone here for any amount of time, I think you get it. Like when when the Lord's table's open, you're like, Heck yeah, I'm there. This is awesome. But for some people, they may struggle. If, if you're a newer face here, it's been a while since we've really broke some of this down. And so I want to do that today just so that when we receive, everyone feels welcome at the Lord's table. Can I get one amen this morning? So the other day, I went into the credit union and a lovely lady behind the, the um, teller window there um, always have great conversations. And she knows that I'm a pastor. And so she asked me this question. She says, do you do private communion? And I was like, I'm sorry? She says, do you do private communion? Well, you know, I'm putting two and two together. I've never heard of that. But I thought, well, is that where you do communion with a priest or a pastor? She goes, yeah. She goes, it's been a really long time, you know, and I, I really feel like I need to do it. And I said, well, I got some really good news for you. You can receive communion whenever you want, anytime you want. And she looked at me and went, what, really? I said, oh, yeah, you don't have to have a priest or a pastor there. I said, in fact, at our church, we do it corporately on the last Sunday of every month. But I said, in fact, do you know that really it's symbolism? It's a, it's a way to remember Christ and what he's done for us. In fact, do you know that you don't have to necessarily have the bread and the wine or the bread and the juice? She's like, come on, seriously? I said, yeah. I said, do you know, there's been times where I've been in my office or I've been somewhere and there's just a situation in my life. And I thought, you know what? I want to remember Christ in this situation. I want to refocus on him. And so all I had was like milk and cookies. She went, no way. I said, yeah, way. That's some good Jesus right there. <laughs> right? That's when dipping it really matters, right? Dip it and eat it. Ha ha. Now Jesus is an Oreo, okay? I'm just making a point that for us it's, it's symbolism, it's tradition, it's something that we do to remember Christ. It's not about remembering ourselves. And so I want to talk about this today, because today we're receiving communion together. But why is that important? You know, when we think of communion, do we see it as a religious ceremony? Or do we see it as a family celebration, both with God, who's our Father, Jesus introduced him as our Father, and our brothers and sisters, uh, has it become a time for us when we participated in the Eucharist or in communion, a time of somber self-condemnation or joyful proclamation? Because for some people, they really struggle. Other people, they're just making a proclamation of the truth of what Jesus did. So I want to look at Luke chapter 22 this morning. We're just going to take a few minutes to do this because I want to receive communion together. I'm excited for that. But Luke chapter 22 Starting with verse 14. Now, you got to understand something here. I want to set this kind of up, the scenario here. Jesus is with his disciples in what we call the upper room. How many have heard that story? 
Now, this is the time of Passover, which, by the way, is a Jewish holiday. It's a Jewish celebration. And so it's during Passover, and they were having this Passover meal. So Jesus is at this table with his disciples. Pretty common thing. They've done every single year. It's a yearly tradition. And so Jesus, right here in verse 14, it says, When the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, now I want you to hear this. This is Jesus. He says, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until... Now, he's not saying I'll no longer have this meal, but he says I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Now, it's interesting here. Look at the the mannerism. Look at the the way that Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, with fervent desire. This word desire in the Greek is the word epithemia, and it means craving or longing. So think about this. Jesus was longing for this moment. He spent about three and a half years with these apostles, which means he's had somewhere between two and three Passover meals with them before this. This wasn't the first Passover meal they had. They would do this every single year. But there was something different about this meal. And Jesus says, I have this craving, this longing, this desire. I'm so excited about this particular Passover meal. And so we have to ask the question, why is that? Now, again, Passover was the Jewish celebration of their exodus out of Egypt, of their freedom from slavery. That's what they were celebrating in the Passover meal. But the celebration was over this covenant that they had with God. And so it was really important to them. But Jesus is saying this meal in particular is really special. In fact, the Message Bible says it like this. When it was time... He sat down, all the apostles with him, and said, you've no idea how much I have looked forward to eating this Passover meal with you before I enter into my time of suffering. It's the last one I'll eat until, say until, until we all eat it together, say together, in the kingdom of God. Jesus was proclaiming something here. So why is it that Jesus had such a longing desire to share this meal with his disciples? This would have been probably Jesus's, I mean, technically, uh, when he was born, his 33rd Passover meal, somewhere in there, right? 33 of these meals. Why is this one so important? I believe it's because of the transition that was about to take place. See, again, the Passover was a celebration of this covenant that the Jewish people have with God. But Jesus was initiating a brand new covenant. And I want us to pick up on this. Because sometimes we have this tendency to mix covenants together. We mix a little old with a little new. And we say, ooh, a little Moses and a little Jesus. But you know that the old covenant, the Ten Commandments, the 613 rules and regulations, were meant to point them both to God and how to live justly in society. And then they were supposed to look so good to surrounding cultures that the surrounding cultures wanted to be just like them. Well, guess what? Just like all of us, they kind of failed. 
They became their own empire. They had their, their own armies. They would lay siege on their own land and properties. And it, it, just, it became just like any other empire. And so Jesus came uh, and showed up on the scene to show us what God was really like and what the kingdom of God really looked like. And so right here, there's this transition he's making, a brand new covenant. No longer would it be a Passover celebration of freedom from Egypt, but a communion celebration of freedom in Christ. How we, how we look, we walk, we talk, what it looks like to live kingdom. What is the kingdom? It's right relationship. It's peace and it's joy. It's built on love and restoration and grace. Jesus was trying to show a whole another way. So what is a covenant? If you're here and you're like, okay, I'm hearing this covenant talk. It's simply an agreement. It's an agreement between two parties. And so Jesus was saying, I'm initiating this brand new covenant really a new way of life. So three main points today before we receive communion together. What is communion? Number one, communion is good news in a cup. Isn't that cool? It's good news in a cup. Now, think about this. If you've been here any amount of time, you're familiar with this, but the word gospel in the Greek actually means good news. In fact, it means almost too good to be true news. How many know that news is something you proclaim because it's already happened? So when we declare the gospel, we're not saying you need to do something to make it happen. We're saying it's already happened. So do you want to jump in both feet? Do you want to participate in what God has already done for you? You see the difference? So we're not going to people and telling them, yeah, you're dirty, rotten. God, God can barely stand the sight of you. No, we're like, no, God loved you so much that he died for you, Right? Not only that, he rose again to show you that his power, his strength, his authority, not only that, this brand new way of living life, brand new creation. He's like, do you want to participate? That's the beauty of the gospel, the good news, the almost too good to be true news. So communion, number one, is good news in a cup. Now, I've said this before, but I love when a new restaurant opens in town. How many here love to eat? That's my thing, right? That's why I don't preach against gluttony. I'll preach against all the other sins, but not gluttony. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I love to eat. And yeah, sure, we can, we can pace ourselves. Sure, you can eat the whole pie, but it's got to start in the morning and you work your way through the day, right? Don't eat it all at night. That's gluttony. But I love when new restaurants open in town. And I really love this, being part of the chamber. We've been over a decade now part of the Chamber of Commerce um, as a congregation, as a church. And they have these things called ribbon cuttings. And so the ribbon cutting ceremony is, it's cool if it's a salon, that's great. You know, it's, it's cool if it's maybe the battery store, I might need some batteries or a cell phone place. But it's really awesome when it's a restaurant. Because there's usually food there. Now there's food at most ribbon cuttings, but not the food that the restaurant's going to serve for free. Doesn't everything taste better when it's free? But imagine that as you're walking in, you know, the, the owner of the restaurant says, welcome, I'm so glad that you came here today. Make yourself at home. I hope you love my new restaurant. So you're touched by the owner's warmth. You take a seat. The smells of just goodness, the goodness of food is coming from the kitchen. You start to, you know, your mouth waters a little bit. Am I just describing myself? I'm not sure, but you're getting excited. You're like, oh, I'm so ready for this. And so just before they're ready to serve the meal, the owner stands up and he says, oh yeah, by the way, I'm really sorry, but this food is for my family, not you. 
However, you are more than welcome to watch us eat. Now, how would you feel? Confused? I'd just be straight angry. I'd be like, what are you talking about? I'd go off. They'd be like, aren't you a pastor? Yeah, why are you cussing at me? You know, I mean, but I was waiting for this food. I was excited for this food. And then he says, nope, it's just for the family. But you know what? These hungry visitors would have been confused and bewildered by the owner's behavior. Some may have laughed, like, is this a joke? Others may have posted some angry review. But I can almost guarantee you that nobody would come back to that establishment. So here's my question. Who can partake of communion? In a service. Don't get ahead of me, Kay. Who can partake? You know all the answers, I know. But think about this. Jesus specified, when you look at his life, he specified no limits. But we do whenever we say things like, well, if you're not a church member, um, if you haven't been baptized, how about this one? If you've sinned, please don't partake in the Lord's table today. I'm I'm just telling you what some churches have said to people. And so people come out on Communion Sunday, and they're like, oh, this is cool. What it, oh, so I can stand and watch you participate in the Lord's table, but I can't participate. Now, I'm saying this because here at Faith City, not because we're better than anyone else. And listen, everyone is where they are. Everyone has different levels of where they are in their journey, and I get that. I'm not saying that I've arrived at all, but I just know this, that at the Lord's table, everyone is welcome. That's why every Sunday I'm like, listen, if it's your first time here and you've never done this before, do it with us. It's an exercise of, huh, what is this about? What is this God all about? He loves me. He cares for me. I'm welcome at the Lord's table. Absolutely. So just like the confused guests at that local restaurant, we let people in, but we don't let them eat. And I think it's a tragedy. Think about this. If you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus ate with anyone, anywhere, anytime. But we have higher standards. Tax collector, forget about it. Prostitutes, (laughs) not a chance. It seems that many times Jesus was more generous with his table than we are. Now listen, I'm not trying to get on you today, but I want you to know this. You are always welcome to the Lord's table. I mean, I even think about this Passover meal that Jesus had. We we call it the Last Supper. At the Last Supper, Jesus served communion to men who hours later denied even knowing him, ran away from him, and deserted him. Listen, Jesus even served communion to a man who was conspiring to kill him. Judas was there. And the Lord gave to him. He served him. He served him communion. He was welcome at the Lord's table. And you know, Jesus even called him a devil (laughs) at one point. Which, by the way, doesn't mean he was a literal devil. It just means he was someone who was, you know, planning and plotting and, and doing something against, going against the grain of love. That's really all it is. It's as if Jesus would serve communion to anyone. So again, communion is good news in a cup. So who is communion for? It's for everyone and anyone who needs to hear the good news and desires relationship. So if you're here first time today, if you're fairly new and you're like, can I participate? Absolutely, you can participate. So what was number one? Communion is good news in a cup. Come on, you can't forget that. That's just too good. Number two, 
Communion is remembering Jesus. This is a big one. Communion is remembering Jesus because, you know, a lot of times we, uh, we try to remember ourselves, our struggles, right? Our falls, our failings, our sin. We, we try to remember those things. And I think it's important to be aware of those shortcomings in our life, but realize that it's his strength and power that get us through those things. Does that make sense? So again, communion, communion is remembering Jesus. Here are some things that Jesus didn't say about communion. When you take communion, take a moment to remember how you stole stationery from the office. Remember how you cussed out that person who cut you off in traffic. How about this? Remember how you cheated on your taxes. Remember how you looked at that naughty stuff online. Remember how you didn't read your Bible at least once every day this week. I'm telling you, people struggle with these things. How about this? Remember how you fought with your spouse and yelled at the kids, and for a lot of you, that was on the way to church this morning. <laughs> right? So, so we struggle with these things. In other words, Jesus never says something like this, remember how you're a lousy human being. That's, that's not how Jesus talks. If you're hearing that voice, it's not him. It's not your father. It's not the Holy Spirit. Now let me say something. Is it smart to cheat on your taxes? Nope. Is it smart to look at naughty stuff online? Nope. But here's the point. When we remember Jesus, we then in turn remember who we are and whose we are. And then guess what? Our actions, our thoughts, our deeds, they begin to change. Almost without effort. Because you're remembering who you are. Because a lot of us, we think we're a sum total. Our identity is a sum total of all the things we've done. And the Holy Spirit's here to remind you, no, no. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're holy, you're acceptable, you're pleasing. I love you. See, that's what makes the difference, I believe. That's the gospel, I believe. So what does Jesus do? He says, when you take communion, when we receive these elements, take a moment to remember my love that is greater than your failings. Remember my strength that shines in your weaknesses. Remember my grace that trumps your sin. Remember my supply that exceeds your needs. Why? Because we remember Jesus. He's simply saying this, remember me, not yourself. And get this, communion is not you deciding whether you're worthy enough. It's God's way of saying you're worthy enough. That's why Jesus said, when you take this, remember me. Right? So number one, communion is good news in a cup. Number two, what? Communion is remembering who? Jesus. Number three, communion is remembering the body of Christ. By the way, that's us. Now, I wrote it like that on purpose. It's remembering. It's about union. It's coming back together. Not only are you remembering Christ here, we are remembering. We're unifying. We're coming back together in unity of faith. Because, listen, we all have a little bit different theology, right? I might say some things on a Sunday morning like, oh, I don't know about that. And you might study it and might talk about it. And we may agree to disagree. You might change my mind. I might change yours. That's how it's done in the kingdom, right? It's not, well, we disagree, so I can't be friends anymore. That's, that's dumb. Okay? Let me just tell it like it is. Um, I've said it before, but my wife and I don't agree on everything. Just ask her. But we're married until death do us part, 
because us agreeing doesn't equal friendship or relationship. Does that make sense? But it's about remembering. It's coming back together. It's unity of faith. It's laying down some of the theology and saying, you know what? The one thing we can agree on is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. One thing we can agree on is that Christ is in both of us. And the beauty of it is we can pull down the walls of separation that society has built. And then sometimes the church has brought inside the church walls and built. And we can say, there's no, just like Paul, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, male, female, right? There's no longer slave or free. There's no more labels. And so I believe communion is a time where we can forget the labels and say, you know, we might disagree on some theology, but you know what? Christ is in both of us. Christ is in all of us. And so it's a way that we can remember the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. It's really remembering us, bringing us back together, bringing unity to the body of Christ. So number one, Communion is good news in a cup. Number two, communion is remembering Jesus. And number three, communion is remembering the body of Christ. I want to look back at Luke here. Verse 14, when the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them, now listen to this. Now that you've got a little background, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. It no longer would be a Passover celebration of freedom from Egypt. It was completely brand new, a communion celebration of freedom in Christ. Isn't that beautiful? I really hope that some things were cleared up this morning regarding communion. If anyone here is struggling with, am I worthy? Absolutely, you're worthy. Yeah, but I've got issues in my life. Hey, welcome to the club. We all have issues in our life. And you know what's so cool? We have a father who loves us and he's on the journey with us. And he's saying, listen, I see those things in your life. Let me work on those one by one, little by little. And you'll become more in line with who I've already created you to be. We, we forget who we are and whose we are. A lot of times we struggle because we see our actions, but our actions will only change based on what we see ourselves as. And you know, he's already put all these good works, the fruit of the Spirit in you. That's why we're told to work out our salvation. It, listen, if you go here, you know salvation, soteria, saved, sozo, it's not so much about punching a ticket to go somewhere in the future. Salvation in the Greek means preservation, safety, healing, wholeness, deliverance, restoration. That's stuff we can get now. That's why I believe Jesus was so excited. He's desired with this fervent anticipation to show his apostles who they were so that they in turn could show others who they were. So again, I hope we cleared this up today. And also, just a side note, I know some of us, maybe we've heard the story of the Apostle Paul when he's kind of scolding the church in Corinth, when he wrote the letter to the Corinthians, and there were some issues going on there, and we kind of, we zero in on some scriptures talking about don't take it in an unworthy manner, you know, trampling what Christ has done and making it nothing, but really what he was dealing with, he was dealing with attitudes in that church. And we could get into this another time and break it down, but basically you had the rich and the poor. 
and most of the poor were the ones working for the rich, so they'd be all day working in the fields, doing their deal. The rich would come early. Back in the day, it wasn't like a little cracker or some bread. It wasn't a little thimble with juice. It was wine and a feast. But here's what happened. The rich would go early. They would drink all the wine. They would eat all the food. So when the poor would get out of work and come in, there was nothing left. In fact, it said that some people had to be carried out because they were drunk off their rear ends. I love in the, I think it's the message translation says this. Paul says, if you're hungry, eat a sandwich before you come. <laughs> He's just trying to be practical. He said, listen, you guys have division in the church because you can't even hold off and let everyone participate in something that was supposed to remember the body of Christ. But you're choosing to eat it all, drink it all, be drunk, not care about your brother and sister. And now it's causing division. And for some of these poor people, that'd be the best meal they had all week. And it was gone. So Paul says, you're taking this in an unworthy matter because if you remember Jesus, you would walk in love and grace and you would save a little extra because you already have what you need. Does that make sense? And so this morning, do you have issues in your, in your life? Are you battling sickness? Are you battling condemnation and maybe guilt? Then you know what you do? You prepare a table a communion table in the midst of these circumstances and you proclaim the Lord's death and his resurrection. See, don't look at communion as merely a church ritual. Make it a bold declaration of faith. If you need forgiveness, if you desire acceptance, healing, listen, all God's blessings, all his promises are based on this new covenant and that's why we receive communion. It's good news in a cup. We're going to remember Jesus and we're going to remember the body of Christ. That's us. Amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.